Hello, everyone, and welcome into another episode of the GPS Show along with Scott Pirak. I am Gabe Gottesman here as always, Tuesdays and Fridays from 5 to 6 p.m. You can also catch our show on Spotify. Just search up the GPS Show there. We're on 88.9 The Bridge here. There's a great, it's a really great time right now to be a, a host of a radio show, especially sports radio, because we have got a lot of news a lot of action. The two main topics right now are NFL free agency and, of course, the best time of the year, March Madness. In my opinion, it's the greatest sporting event in the history of, of sports. And Scott and I have you covered on both of those today. Scott, we're going to start with free agency talk in the NFL, and then we'll go over our entire March Madness brackets, going over the biggest upsets, everything you need to know from us, the experts, kind of. Scott, first off, I want to hear two teams that you think are winners this year in free agency so far. We're recording this on a Tuesday at around 3 p.m. There's so much more news uh, to be to be posted all over the place. But so far, who do you think are the winners of free agency? Well, I think first off, I'm going to have to start off with the Bucks. They were able to resign all their uh, keystone players. They got Chris Godwin back, Rob Gronkowski and then Shaquille Bear and Levante David. The only players that they're really missing from this Super Bowl roster that I'd say played a factor in that run were Antonio Brown. But I think, I mean, he had the option in the first place and he chose Tom Brady, so I don't know why they're probably going to re-sign him. And then Leonard Fournette, he may go to the Patriots, but I think even they're still with Ronald Jones. So the Patriots are my biggest winner. My second winner is a team that Leonard Fournette may go to, which is the Patriots. They have turned salary cap off, Gabe, is what I'm <laughs> calling it. Um, think, of a, think of a free agent in the Patriots have probably signed them. They got Matthew Judon. They got two, I would say, solid receivers. Um, the biggest ones for me, really, though, were the tight ends in Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. I think those will kind of go under. They'd be a little underrated because tight ends aren't really seen as a huge aspect in the NFL right now but those are two top tight ends I think Johnny Smith led the league in touchdowns last year in terms of tight ends and Hunter Henry has always been very reliable so overall they also got Trent Brown in the trade with the Raiders and gave up a like fifth round pick and so they got their offensive linemen they got two solid defensive players they got Kim Newton back which I actually like you and I can go on this later but I think I think it's decent with smart and I think they've drafted quarterback. They've solved their tight end issue. They don't need pits anymore. I think they've mostly solved their receiver issue. So if they can get Jamar Chase, I would draft him. But otherwise, I think they're going to be solid at receiver. And maybe they can still get Kenny Galladay. And I think maybe we could see them trade up just a little for a player like Trey Lance. I wonder if the Patriots tight ends, they just resigned, knew that each other was signing. Did Johnny Smith, no Hunter Henry was coming in later. I'd be curious because those are two top tier tight ends in this league. And I think they're going to be competing. There's a lot of two tight end sets, especially for a more run heavy team like the Patriots. But I'd be curious on how that's going to work out in terms of chemistry. Outside of Matthew Judon, what is your favorite signing? I think I'd go Hunter Henry or Nelson Aguilar. I don't really love their wide receiver. I don't think Kendrick Bourne is going to turn this. I don't think he's going to turn around. Honestly, I'd agree with you uh, with um, I think 
honestly, Cam Newton, because it's going to be hard with the salary cap down uh, to, to go for a big name if they're going to look for Deshaun Watson or maybe try to get Sam Darnold. Uh, and to go for someone in the draft, when I think there's a real – they're at a crossroads right now where you can either go to the rebuild or – you can watch as Bill Belichick's legacy slowly dwindles away as Tom Brady looks to win his second championship in a row in Tampa Bay. I think that signing Cam Newton, who they went seven and nine with, with a bunch of guys opting out who will opt back in, they've got a chance to make the playoffs and I think kind of salvage the Patriot, the Patriot brand and, and be a winning team again right away. So I think they definitely are one of the big winners. So my two winners aren't necessarily as they didn't make as many splashes as you did, but I really liked the Chargers free agency this year. Uh, they they signed a cornerback, Michael Davis, to a three-year deal. Um, I, they re-signed him. I don't think that was a huge deal, but there are two offensive linemen that they got. The offensive lineman, Matt Feller from the Steelers, and, and of course, the big one, which is center Corey Lindsley from the Packers. He was a pro bowler. They signed him to a five-year, $62 million deal. I think it's really smart. We've seen guys like Joe Burrow, um, like Russell Wilson struggle behind a bad offensive line and getting these two veteran solid, really, really good offensive linemen will help Justin Herbert a lot. And they're going to be my dark horse Super Bowl team. I think Herbert's going to explode this year and have a, a really, really good year. I think he's, he's got a great chance to win MVP. People didn't see the last couple MVPs. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, he, he was unhappy with Jordan Love we saw Lamar the previous year kind of come out of nowhere. And then Mahomes, of course, I think that he's got a great chance, Justin Herbert. My second winner was the New York Jets. And I think they're going to be making a lot more moves, but so far they've signed Corey Davis, who I really like to a, I think that's the best signing of the whole free agency. He's a, he's a, he's a quiet receiver one. Yeah. I mean, with AJ Brown there and with Derrick Henry, especially that he's kind of been a little bit covered up in that Titans offense, but he puts up good numbers. He's fast. I think he's a great receiver for the New York Jets. They've got uh, Mims, and I think that whoever that quarterback is, whether it's Sam Darnold, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, they're going to really like having Corey Davis there. Uh, they also signed guys like Gerard Davis to a one-year $7 million deal from the Lions. He's kind of a steal. There's rumors that Kenny Galladay has the Jets on the top of his short list to sign there. And then also the big one for me, was Carl Lawson. He only had five and a half sacks, but he had the second most QB hits in the league. Uh, and for, for the Bengals, three years, $45 million. I think that's a great signing as well for the New York Jets. And I really like how they're turning this franchise around. And I see, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team this year. It depends who they get at QB, but I really like the direction they're heading. And, I, and I'm kind of rooting for the New York Jets. I've always kind of been a Jets fan. It's the biggest market in the country. Scott, don't look at me like that. I'm a Jets fan at heart. You know that. Uh, I like their jerseys and they're in New York, the biggest market. The Giants have always been kind of okay, but I really want the Jets to be a team that uh, that's at the top of the league because it, it's kind of nostalgic. The last time they were good was with Joe Namath way back when. So I think the Jets hopefully will turn this around and become a great franchise again. All right. We've got a lot more to cover. We'll, we'll get into that on our, on our show on Friday with more free agency talk. Russell Wilson, of course, trade rumors. Oh, Scott, you'd like to add something? I think we should do two losers. Oh, two I'm like losers. I'll I start us off. I think my two losers, I'll start off with the Steelers. 
Um, it looks like they aren't going to get Juju Smith-Schuster back or James Conner. I think resigning Big Ben earlier in the offseason, that was one move that no one really talked about, but I don't think that was the right move. He He's not a mobile quarterback, and that's what the NFL has turned into is mobility. Um, they lost starting quarterback Mike Hilton. They lost Bud Dupree, even though he's coming off an ACL injury. I do think that he will be strong going to next year. And then they lost offensive tackle to the Chargers, Matt Feller. So I think the Steelers really didn't make any big moves, but they lost a lot of big name players. My other one, Gabe, I'm sure you have this team too. It's the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, They had one job to do this offseason. That was to sign one big name offensive tackle. The only thing they've done. Center. The only thing they've done is lose Carlos Hyde. Yeah, and Carlos Dunlap too. Well, he hasn't signed anywhere yet, but... But they released him. I wouldn't expect them to sign him back. Yeah, so the Seahawks are my biggest loser out of any team because I think they're one of the few teams left in the NFL that hasn't announced a signing. I mean, even the Jags have announced a signing, I hate to say. Uh, <laughs> a couple of them, actually. Yeah, so Seahawks are my losers. They've lost a lot of players and not had any return value on it by the way sneaky winner for me before i get into my two losers i like the football team signing ryan fitzpatrick and i know it's not uh, the the splash deal that i think a lot of football team fans wanted because they've got this elite defense antonio gibson terry mclaurin logan thomas they've got a championship roster surrounding that quarterback but they're gonna this isn't like okay ryan ryan fitzpatrick is our guy i think they're gonna maybe trade up or find another QB next year. Deshaun Watson, they could go after. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick is a sign that they're looking to go all in in this draft for a quarterback, and I would expect them to trade up. If they get a guy like Trey Lance, I think they could be a championship team within the next one or two and years. Ryan Fitzpatrick is a perfect mentor. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the known as the best mentor in the league. My two losers are, number one is the Houston Texans. I think it's just kind of like, they're they're sad to let go and they're trying to impress Deshaun Watson while he's still around. Uh, they're making moves that I don't really understand. Tyrod Taylor is one of them that I think is fine, but um, Kevin Pierre Lewis not not a good enough deal in my opinion. Um, Terrence Brooks two million dollars was a breaking news for the Texans. Uh, they signed Malik Collins. I, I just don't think any of these guys are gonna make any difference in in the Texans. Also, they signed wide receiver on or Andre Roberts, like, come on now. Deshaun's laughing at this point. I want to bring something up. They signed Mark Ingram. Could you imagine if Mark Ingram wins the starting job? In that case, if you reflect back one year ago on March 16th, that means the Houston Texans would have traded all-pro receiver DeAndre Hopkins for backup running back David Johnson. Yeah. That is sad. That is, I mean, the Texans aren't even rebuilding well either. They just like, they have a new coach. If, if you're going to rebuild, at least get someone that, you know, is smart and young, like the Cardinals did, like the Rams did. They were really bad. They got a young offensive mind. Sean McVay, he turned that around. I, I Signing a, a Cully, who's not even, he's a little bit older. He's not like going to be a bright young star. I, I don't really understand that. My second loser is actually the Chicago Bears just because of this Andy Dalton deal. They they went all out for Russell Wilson, according to reports. They didn't get him, and so they settled for Andy Dalton. 
that's all I really need to say. That's a yeah, it's a little sad to be honest with you, but uh, that that's kind of been their only real move thus far, and they're not going to get Russell Wilson hopefully. And I mean, it would give us a lot of stuff to talk about for for the year, but the one yeah, reason I didn't put the Bears is they got Allen Robinson back. Right, they did franchise tag Allen Robinson, which is good, but I, there's why would you? I feel like it's a little bit mean to to be like come back. Oh, we got rid of Mr. Risky. Don't worry. Oh, now we have Andy Dalton. Uh, it seems like a, a little bit of a of a weird thing for a franchise to do, in my opinion. All right, so there's our first initial reactions to the early tampering period for free agency. Now let's get into Scott. I know I say this for a lot of things. When it's Super Bowl weekend, I'm like, this is my favorite weekend. When I when it's the NBA finals, I say this is a great weekend. Round fifty four and round thirty two are the greatest sporting event to ever be. There held. is nothing that comes close. Maybe the the World Cup at times. No, 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 no. Not, We're not in America. In, not in America. Not America. Seven p.m. basketball is the greatest thing you'll ever see. And when I you see. Oral Roberts taking on Ohio State, and then you flip the channel to St. Bonaventure. There's nothing much more that's, that's better in the world than that. But, Scott, this is exciting. We had it off for a year. Man, I didn't – you know, it's like you only know you loved her when you let her go, that song. It's like you only know you love her when she comes back after being gone for a year. That's what I feel like with March Madness. It's just so exciting. Interesting analysis, but I see what you're getting at. <laughs> All right. So – if you are still making your bracket, which I think a lot of you probably are, then there, we've, we're going to go over some of each region. We're not going to say every game, but kind of overview maybe a certain upset we have and who we come who we have coming out of each region. Um, we're saying, we if, for example, Gonzaga against the winner of Application State, Appalachian State, Appalachian application State. or Norfolk. I don't even know, but we yeah exactly. We well, don't the need point to go. Is over. you get it? Gonzaga and Jalen Suggs are going to win this game. Absolutely. Okay. So Scott, starting in this West region, Gonzaga is going to move on. Obviously. I don't think that eight, nine game we need to go over because I think both of us have Gonzaga going through, but I'm curious for these two matchups, the four 13 and the five 12 Creighton UCSB and Virginia versus Ohio. Okay. You should give our winner Oklahoma, Missouri. Every I, matters. Okay. I, I picked Oklahoma. Interesting. I picked Missouri. Okay. Well, Moving on to these next ones, because I don't – eight nines, I don't really care about. Creighton versus UCSB. I like Creighton in this one simply because they're well-coached. They've been here before. They, um, they've they played a lot of good teams. They're 3-2 and two versus top 25, so I like Creighton. You know, this is, this is an interesting one. I've actually been going back and forth in my personal bracket. UCSB has given up around 63 points per game. But they also haven't really played any top 25 or top 75 net teams, which is my one worry with them. But we just saw Creighton Crane has, has had some pretty big losses in the, fa- in the past two weeks. They were going to be like a three or four seed, and then I think they ended up dropping to the five. With that said, I am still sticking with Creighton just because I feel like UC Santa Barbara is good of defense as they play. What you have to think about college basketball is these players came in as five stars. You're going to see all the five stars on the Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12 teams, and more of the two-star recruits on teams like UC Santa Barbara. Okay, the only upset I have from this bracket in the first round is Ohio over Virginia. And listen, 
Virginia is a team that I had last year or last time, I should say, losing in the second round. They went on to win the national title. But the year before that, they lost to UMBC, the famous one overall seed, losing to the 16 seed. But here, here's the thing. I think I, I really like Ohio in this game because they've got the offensive firepower and the shooting ability to make a, a, a run. And I just don't think Virginia's offensive strategy works in this tournament. I know they won one year. I think that might have been kind of a one-off. We have saw them uh, struggle mightily if they're kind of made uncomfortable a little bit. If they give up enough points, they, they don't have the offensive firepower to come back. Um, they, they have a slow pace, which I don't like. Uh, and I think Ohio pulls off the upset. It's a, it's, it's a great upset pick to have because um, when it's going to be a low-scoring game like that, anything can happen. Yeah, I actually also have – actually, I'm going to change my pick. I'm going to go UCSB in the past game. Okay. okay. You know what I said? It's because I have a reason for this. It's that they have the transfer student from Oregon State. I'm probably going to mess up the name, but Jaquiri McLawhan. I don't know if I said that right, but he's from Oregon State. He scored 22 points in the league title. I think he's one of the better players in this bracket, believe it or not, of the West region. Um, and I'm also going with Ohio. I have a few upsets in here. I think Virginia Tech is coming off a COVID buy. They got kicked out of the ACC tournament because of that. And I think that's going to play a bigger factor than people realize having to kind of isolate in a room not being able to be at practice while Ohio's winning the MAC tournament um so I'm gonna go with Ohio Ohio 13 seed Ohio Bobcats are gonna win this game so for these next few I've got USC and Kansas and then Oregon and Iowa the all the favorites winning those I really don't see a team that can knock off those Pac-12 teams and then I actually like Kansas this year as an underrated uh kind of not a dark horse, but I just think that they, they can definitely win a few games this tournament. When you're, uh, when you're as well coached as Kansas is, I think the, the March Madness tournament is more determined on coaching than anything else. So uh, I trust Kansas, and I think that, that they're going to win. And then Iowa, of course, Luca Garza and all those shooters will take care of Grand Canyon. So let's move on to the East region. First game, Michigan versus 16 seed. I don't even think. 16 soon hasn't been decided yet as we're recording this. Mount St. Mary's or Texas Southern University? You and I both have Michigan. You don't know. Well, now you do because, yeah, I have Michigan. Only one 16 seed has ever won the, the famous UMBC. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michigan's, I think, a really good team. Uh, they have a great chance to go deep in this tournament once again while well coach. Who do you have between LSU and St. Bonaventure? Because this is obviously an interesting matchup. I have LSU, what I saw from them in the SEC title game. They looked really good against Alabama. Um, They have some really strong leaders in Watford and Smart. They both can shoot the three ball really well. But what I like about LSU and its program is they've always been very competitive and they won't give up to the final minute. And we saw that throughout the SEC tournament. And I think the interesting thing when you look at this is a lot of these teams haven't played top competition St. Bonaventure's only notable wins were against VCU, St. Louis, and Richmond. Well, LSU's played Tennessee, Missouri, Texas Tech, all these teams. So I think kind of having that previous tough competition gives them the edge here. Yeah, I also liked LSU's performance against Alabama. 
They beat Arkansas twice this year, which is a, a three seed. I, I like LSU to win this one as well. The next matchup is the 5-12, and I've got Georgetown. It's a popular 12 seed to pick, and that's because they have just uh, come off of a huge conference champion, which championship, which would have without that championship, they would not have been in this tournament. They're 13 and 12. And I think a lot of the, a lot of times you see these lower seeds go far because when they're playing against five and six seeds, those are usually big major power five conference teams that struggle down the stretch in their tournaments. And that's why they're not a one or two seed. While in the meantime, you see these 12 and 13 seeds who are riding a lot of momentum because they've just won their conference tournament with that automatic bid. So that's why I think the upsets are so common in this tournament and why it's so exciting all the time. They just won the biggest tournament. So I like Georgetown in this one. Yeah. I also have Georgetown. I think the reason for me in this is that Colorado's had some pretty unbearable losses. I'd like to call it. They lost to Utah, the Washington Huskies who were maybe the worst team in the PAC 12. I, I would argue they didn't really have a strong roster this year. And then they lost to Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament. And I feel like Colorado is one of, I mean, they beat USC, but they're a very up and down team. And I think coming off a two-point loss in the Pac-12 tournament, that's kind of hard to rebound from. That's definitely a momentum killer. And Georgetown's on the upswing right now. So I would, I'm going to agree with you on Georgetown. So any other upsets in this one? Because I've got Florida State, Texas, UConn, and Alabama. And then for that 11-6 matchup, I don't, I would not call it an upset at all to take Michigan State or UCLA. Over I, I, have, I have UConn too. Um, here's my take on that game. If UCLA wins the play-in game, BYU wins. If Michigan State wins the play-in game, Michigan State beats BYU. All right. Well, I think whoever wins that matchup beats BYU. Both big powerhouse names, both well coached. I think that's just going to be the theme I have all, all season, or I guess all tournament long. And I, I don't think it's an upset at all to take those two guys that were, that were definitely highly touted early in this year uh, and maybe just slacked off a little bit, but I think they'll, they'll come back in the tournament and win that game. And also with those 11 seeds, if you, uh, whoever's going to be coming out of that matchup is going to have a win already under their belt. And it's call it, it's not like LeBron, playing an entire series. These are 19 and 20 year old kids. Rest isn't a big factor in my opinion. So I think that having that momentum is super important. Now let's move over to the South region or Scott, what do you want to add? Michigan state looked really good this year. They've knocked off a one, one seed. I mean, right before the tournament, they had three top 25 wins. Yeah, they, they are definitely on fire right now. Moving on to the South region, both have Baylor. This is an interesting one, Scott, North Carolina versus Wisconsin. Who do you have in this one? I have North Carolina. They won four of their last six contests. They beat Florida State and Virginia Tech. Um, really strong defense. I think they do kind of lack on offense. They only score about 75 points per game. But I, I think that they're get it done. And they have one of the greatest NCAA coaches we've seen. I believe he now has the most wins of all time. So I'm going to go North Carolina because coaching experience does matter. Yeah, Roy Williams is a great coach, obviously. I also have UNC here. I have them going to all the way to the Elite Eight. I just think they're so well coached, and they've got enough talent to make a run, definitely. Uh, we saw, like you mentioned, they, they've won down the stretch. They uh, they have confidence, I think, right now. They were almost a, a team that won two out of their 
two out of three games on average. So I think that, that they have enough confidence going in as an eight seed to go and knock off Baylor maybe. Now, this is possibly the most common uh, upset region of the bracket. With we've, we've got Winthrop versus Villanova. Do you think the loss of starting point guard uh, Gillespie will uh, will really have a big enough factor, Colin Gillespie, to have Villanova, who's a powerhouse program in this tournament, lose against Winthrop, who's 23-1 and in the year? I mean, yeah, he was averaging 14 points per game. And I mean, as you said, Winthrop's 23 and one. I don't think you can really be any harder than that. The only other harder team may be Gonzaga, who hasn't lost a game this whole year. Um, so I'm actually going with the upset. I think that Winthrop has a good guard, Chandler. He had three triple doubles this season. He's six foot nine, 275 pounds. They also had a transfer player from Tennessee, DJ Burns. He was a Tennessee recruit and he's good. So I think, I think this Winthrop team is going to quietly make some noise in the tournament. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him go a little bit farther. All right. I've got Purdue. I, I actually think Purdue is a very underrated team. They, it says in the, in the ESPN uh, bracket challenge, little summary that they are the tallest team in the big 10 and they played in one of the best conferences in, in the tournament in, in the NCAA I really think that, that they have a chance to go far in, in this tournament, especially if they have to play Villanova without their starting point guard. So I like Purdue to win that one. Now, Scott, do you have you have Purdue as well, correct? I do. Okay. So this is where it goes crazy for me. You may be like, oh, these guys are boring. They only have a couple upsets here and there. We're not like the bracketologists that pick all one seeds and think they're geniuses because they get one right. Um, we like to have a little bit of fun. And this is where it goes crazy for me, Scott. Um, I, I don't know exact, I don't want to, here's what I would say. I don't want to totally justify my reason. Well, we're on Texas tech now. Um, we're on the Texas, who yeah, we're, on the, we're on the Texas tech game. I've got Texas tech winning. I've got them going to the final four. Let me uh, just, I have them too. Mac McClung. We've, we've watched him. Yeah, since Mac McClung can do through the, le- you cannot pick against a guy that's doing through the legs dunks in high school. Uh, I actually think he's also a very talented player. He's kind of like Russell Westbrook where he's, he's all energy, uh, 100% all the time, and I really like them. So I've got Colgate over Arkansas, and I think that it's it's one of the more common upsets, actually, and that's because Colgate is a powerhouse on offense. I, I've said that word a lot, haven't I? 86.3 points per game. They're 44th ranked in the, in, in the BPI, which is you know right around where a 6 or 7 seed should be. So... I really like this Colgate team. They've only had one loss on the season. They average 86 points, like I said, and yet they have only given up 68 points. So they they are a really good three-point shooting team, and I think that that if they shoot the three, they defend the three well, they can knock off this Arkansas team that, um, that they just lost to LSU, who's an eighth seed in the conference tournament. So I think maybe they, they are a little bit lackluster going into this game. I think that's an interesting point. I'm going to go with Arkansas, though. Um, <laughs> you know, that's an interesting point, but I'm going to take the three. From the BPI, they had, they had, they led the SEC in scoring with 82.8 points per game, so about six points per game behind Colgate, but in a way harder division, whatever you want to call it. Um, they had a first SEC team all player, Moses Moody, and I just feel like this is when it really comes to who has been playing the tougher competition the whole year. And Arkansas, I think Arkansas is the better players. 
Next one game, I actually have the upset. I don't like to call it an upset because it's a 10 versus yeah, 7. It's not really an upset, but it may, I think Florida is a one-point favorite. Yeah, I'd, this one I've been going back and forth. I'm currently on Virginia Tech, though. I so, think they've had some pretty big wins. They beat Virginia and Villanova are the two that are headliners. So this is tough for me, and I'll explain why. Because I'm going to skip over this game. I go to Ohio State versus Oral Roberts. And listen here. The first sentence on ESPN, if, if it's any sign, no one hits more threes than the Summit League champs thanks to their nation's leading scorer, Max Abamus. Okay? This Oral Roberts team can light it up from beyond the arc. And I know that there's been no 15 seed in the past five years. That's one. But it all changes this, this tournament in 2021. Take a picture of where you are listening to this show. Call up your friend. Say, I remember right here when I listened to a bracketologist by the name of Gabe Gottesman say, Oral Roberts is knocking off Ohio State University. And, and you're going to say, yeah, yeah, he was right. Because Oral Roberts, with their three-point light-out shooting, will take off the Ohio State Buckeyes. So I don't think they're a bad team. I just don't think they compete right now with Oral Roberts, who, Scott, I know they've lost all the good teams they've played. But at the same time, they've had good experience playing against top teams. They lost by, to Arkansas by 11. They lost to Oklahoma State by 5, who's a 4 seed. They've got a chance. And that's why this other game, for me, between Florida and Virginia Tech is so important because I'm going to have them going pretty far because I don't think Oral Roberts wins two games. And I actually have Florida here. I think that they have a little bit of tougher competition, in my opinion. And um, they they spread, out, they spread out the ball enough. They don't rely on one top guy having too many points, which I think for a, a mid-seed is really important because if you rely on one guy, he's having an off night. There's no way he can go far. So they're a streaky team, but at the same time, if they hit their stride, they can go really far in this tournament. So that's why I like Florida. Now I want our listeners to take a second picture of where they are, and here's why. So they forget what they did in the first minute of that picture and look back and say, wow, it's smart I picked Ohio State when they won by 20 points. Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. Ohio State lost by three in the Big Ten Tournament Championship to Illinois, who is favored by many to win the whole thing. Um, they beat Michigan, they beat Purdue, they beat Minnesota. They've been playing against good teams all year, like Iowa, um, Michigan State. They've they've had a healthy competition. They're one of the stronger teams, I think. They're actually a sneaky two seed for me. I think they almost could have been the – I think if they beat Illinois, they would have been the one seed. Um, they're really dominant on defense. They're strong at the free throw line, and they have a really low turnover rate. They score 77 points per game, only give up 70 points per game. 10th in the BPI rank. Ohio State's going to be moving on by a healthy dose. Okay, well, I've got that huge upset there that I'm excited about. The final region is the Midwest. We're going to go over our Sweet 16 Elite Eight, complete final four picks uh, down the line, another show. We want to save those for later. Um, but, Scott, Illinois is going to be Drexel. Um, let's talk about Loyola of Chicago versus Georgia Tech. These are actually two pretty popular teams because Loyola of Chicago, we know what they did last time. Uh, what's her name? Sister, Sister Mary? Sister Jean. Come Sister on. Sister Jean. Sorry. Sister Jean. Oh, I, this is an interesting one for me because I actually had Georgia Tech. But then 
the NCAA announced that Sister Jean was going to be attending in person. Yeah, so that, flips the, that flips it all upside down, doesn't it? It does. So with that, I am going to be taking Sister Jean in Loyola, Chicago. I'm going to take Loyola, Chicago, too. Not just because of Sister Jean. She might take a couple reps on the basketball court, but I also I like this team's defense. They're only giving up 55 points a game. Uh, they're 24 and four on the year. They really deserve to be better than an eight seed. In all honesty, they won their conference. So I really think that that this team is going to win not only by their defense, but they're also capable enough on offense. I think unlike Virginia to put up enough points to win the game. I don't think they're so sluggish. So I really like this Lilo of Chicago University team. All right. Moving on to this, this is another, this is the part of the bracket in every single section that really messes with people because it's the 512-413. It's got upset written all over it every time. But Scott, do you have the upset for either Tennessee, Oregon State, or Oklahoma State versus Liberty? Um, Oklahoma State versus Liberty, I did not. I think, I, I honestly think that Oklahoma State should have been a little bit higher in the seating. They have maybe the best player in college basketball right now in Cade Cunningham. He's most likely going to be a lottery pick, the number one pick in the NBA draft. So I'm going with Oklahoma State there, and I'm going Tennessee. Keep in mind, Oregon State was not actually good this year. They came into the Pac-12 tournament as the five seed, and then they pulled off two straight upsets against Oregon and Colorado. Otherwise, we wouldn't even be talking about them being one of the top four teams out so I think I really think Oregon State kind of got a lucky, had a lucky week or two, and I'm going to go with Tennessee. I'm actually going to go with Oregon State because uh, they do have the momentum, um, and I and I agree that that maybe they got a little bit lucky, but they're playing really good basketball. And in March Madness, let's not pretend that this is some analytically driven. It's not. It's it's flip. It, it's crazy. It's crazy, and no one's going to have a perfect bracket, but. Here's why I would – here's the case I make for Oregon State. First of all, Tennessee, one of their best players, John Fulkerson, um, may not be able to play in in this first game. They also have not won uh, three in a row in since mid-January. So they've gone months without stringing together any sort of win streak. And I really think that Oregon State, with the momentum they have, they're playing good basketball, the 12th seed – always has confidence going in against the five seed. They won their tournament. I mean, let's not, let's not disregard yeah, they that. Lost, they also lost to Wyoming and Portland University. This yeah, year. but Tennessee isn't Portland University. I, I would say how have they played against the teams that are on Tennessee's level. Maybe they played to their level, but right now they're going to be playing up the to their level. They, the best team they have played probably this year is USC, and earlier they lost to them 75-62 this year. All right, so, well – I mean, I, I'm not going to nitpick every loss for Oregon State. I like I like them to win this game. And then I also have Oklahoma State with Kate Cunningham, of course. Okay, the final section of the bracket, Scott. It's probably the weakest one of the entire tournament. It's San Diego State versus Syracuse, the 6-11. Three-seed West Virginia against Moorhead State. Clemson versus Rutgers at the 7-10. And then Houston versus Cleveland State. The only upset I have in this one, Scott, is Syracuse over San Diego State. Now, this one is very tough for me because I actually really like San Diego State as a team. They uh, have two really great scores, both averaging twenty points over 20 points a game, I believe. Um, and they 
they've got a chance to go far in this tournament. But at the same time, I think um, I, I think Syracuse is actually very underrated because they they're they're smartly coached. Um, they they have Buddy Bayheim and, and Alan Griffin, who with a couple of days rest, I think are going to be ready to go, and they're going to be a great three point shooting team that will take off San Diego State. Other than that, I've got West Virginia, Clemson, and Houston. They also have Gerard. Um, I'm I'm going with Syracuse in this one. I, I think Coach Boheim, he's been to 35 NCAA tournament appearances in six different decades. Um, and you talk about Buddy Boheim in the ACC tournament, he averaged 29 points per game. He shot 11 of 20 from the three. I mean, yeah, come on now. Um, 20 of 33 overall. I think that carries over. He was shooting 60% from the field. And I think Syracuse is one of those teams that even though they kind of snuck in, they just outbeat the last four teams in. I think they could make a quiet run with how well they shoot the three and they play a two, three zone, which is interesting because in that for some reason that works really well in March madness. No one knows why it's just a random statistic where teams that have run the two, three often win their first matchup. So in that case, I'm going to go with the upset on Syracuse. And then I finish out with West Virginia I actually think Clemson loses to Rutgers, but Houston wins. All right. So there you have it. I've looked online everywhere and I can't find a complete guide to every single March Madness game until now. You can search it up on Spotify. If you missed any of it, uh, the GPS show, just search it up there. And thank you everyone so much for listening. We'll be back on Friday for more March Madness coverage, more NFL free agency. Uh, And thank you everyone so much for listening. We'll see you next time.